Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. We're starting a new series for the month of January. Uh, It's called Love Handles. Uh, We're talking about the the importance, the primacy of love in our discipleship journey. Um, And uh, just by the way, if if you have never been part of a small group, a small group Bible study, um, this would be a great opportunity to, to join one. We're doing, it's a, it's a four-week series. You could try it out, sort of dip your toes in the water, so to speak. Try out the Bible study series and see if it's something that um, would just be a, a benefit to you. Talk to someone in the lobby after the service and uh, join us on this series as we talk about love. I, I want to just dive right in here and, and put up a sentence up here on the screen and uh, fill in the blank uh, for you kind of mentally to, to do this. Um, what matters to me most is... And then you, you fill in the blank in your mind. What matters to me most is. And now some of you, you're, maybe you're kind of drawing a blank and you don't know what goes in there. Uh, you may have a friend seated closest to you. Just ask them, they'll tell you. Uh, they, know, they know what's important to you. Uh, maybe your spouse, your husband, or your wife is with you and then uh, they'll, they'll let you know what matters most to you. I know what doesn't matter most to you is the Seahawks, otherwise you wouldn't be here right now. Uh, because uh, the, 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 those fans came last night, five o'clock and eight o'clock this morning and uh, uh, not that you don't care. It's just, here, here's, here, here's the deal. What, the things that matter most to us create our priorities, and, and, um, and they actually cause us to, to, to how we make our decisions. They prompt us in, the, in our decision-making process. Now, let me explain. If, if having fun is most important to you, if that's what matters most to you, and it's Friday night, and you're wondering what you're going to do, and you've got several options on the table, you're going to choose the one that's most fun, because that matters to you. Or if what matters most to you is, is, uh, is your kids, you're going to make decisions, uh, you're going to prioritize your life in such a way that it's, it's focused on your, on your kids. And if it's safety, you, the decisions you make, the choices that you make um, are going to be uh, ones that, in which you feel most secure. Um, in fact, Rick Warren uh, puts it this way. He says that what matters most to us actually becomes our dominant life principle. Um, another way of looking at, at this is this becomes, what matters most to us actually becomes the filter from which we do our primary decision making. This is what is so important to us and much of our lives, whether we realize it or not, is revolving around this thing of priority in our lives. And by the way, if you don't have something that matters most to you, what will happen is other people will give you one. They, they will assign you uh, something that matters most to them and it becomes yours. So it's really important that you know, you know what this is. Now, as we get into this series um, and you think about, you know, what, what God would have to say about what matters most to us, you know, uh, we, we might think success or prestige or status or uh, privacy or comfort or, you know, all those things that, that are high values for us. What, what kind of counsel, what kind of input would God have for us on this subject? What matters most to God? Well, Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, Paul writes this. He says, the only thing that counts, and let's just hit the pause button there. Anytime a, a verse from Scripture begins by saying, the only thing that counts, we probably should pay attention. There's probably something important that's coming. Uh, so we, we, should, we should notice this. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that matters or the one thing 
That is, you gotta, we gotta get this one nailed, is, is faith expressing itself through love. This is critical to God, and we need to get a handle on it. This whole topic of, of love. And just to make sure, just to calm your hearts in case you think uh, maybe I'm cherry picking, I, I, you know, I kind of found that one verse. Uh, let, me, let me just kind of help you feel um, the importance of love to God as I read some, some of these scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. Everything you do must be done with love. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. Continue to love each other with true Christian love. This is my prayer for you, Philippians chapter one, verse nine, that your love will grow more and more and that you will have knowledge and understanding with your love. First John chapter four, verse eight, whoever does not love does not know God. First Corinthians 13, verse 13, three things will continue forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse one, let love be your highest goal. Are you kind of picking up a theme here? I mean, three things are going to remain forever. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Make your highest goal. I mean, make your highest priority. Make it love. We got to get a handle on this. This is a really big deal to God. And, um, and, and maybe it prompts this question of, of, of why. Why, why, does, why does love matter so much to God? Why is this such a big deal for him? Now, I just want to hit a few things for us to help us understand. The reason it's such a big deal is because God is love and he wants you to be like him. John, the disciple, uh, he writes in 1 John, he says, God is love. He doesn't write God is loving. He doesn't, he doesn't write God loves. Um, it is true, he is loving, he does love. But more than that, he embodies love. He is love. And we are on a spiritual journey in which we are, we are becoming Christ-like. We are becoming like God. We're, we're, we're trying to embody and trying to be who he is. And so if God is love, we are supposed to be loving. We are supposed to be people of love. So God is love, and he wants you to be like him. This, everything is pointing at this. You, you may remember this story. Uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to read a part of it here in a second. Um, but the Pharisees are trying to undermine Jesus' uh, ministry, his authority. They're, they're kind of picking at him and asking him tough questions, trying to trip him up um, because uh, he, the, the, he poses a threat to the, all the things that they're teaching. And so um, Matthew chapter 22, uh, verse 34, it says, but when the Pharisees heard that, that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Or as another version will say, all of the law and prophets hang from these or hang on these two commandments. The commandments to, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, let me just kind of help us visually understand what Jesus is saying. 
You see, if you take all of scripture, you take all the law, all the prophets, you take the gospels, you take the, the apocalyptic books, you, you take the, the historical books and you lay them all out and perhaps you've never read the Bible before and you wondered what it was about. Or maybe you have, you've had a difficult time as you've read the Bible trying to figure out what, it, what it's trying to communicate. What's the overall thing it's trying to communicate? Here's what Jesus is saying. Do you want to make sure you're ready for heaven? You, you want to understand how to please God? Here's it just... Love God, love people. Everything points this direction. You start in Genesis, you'll, you'll catch this, you go all the way to Revelation. This is, this is all, everything, God is, in a variety of ways, he's just showing how he wants people to love him and how he wants people to love each other. And you get to an exciting book like Leviticus. It, I mean, it, it's it's, this is what it's about. I mean, people have come out of Egypt. They've been rescued. We sang that song. We split the sea so we could walk right through it. That happened. They walk through the sea. They get in the wilderness. They're with this God that they don't know. Leviticus is all about how to relate to God and how to honor and love each other. That's all the crazy rules and stuff. That's, that's all the stuff that's happening in Leviticus. It's about loving God and loving others. And... and the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself like this. Um, and, and so we, we are called to love. We, we gotta get a handle on this. We need to understand what it means, what it doesn't mean. We need to understand just how important, how, how big of a priority this is for God. Now, I just want you to understand something here. Actually, can you go leave that there? Thanks. Love God, love people. I want you to imagine in your mind that I get invited to uh, this convention in which all the, uh, the most significant theologians of the day are gathering. And they've invited a speaker to speak to these really smart theologians, these really these, uh, brilliant men and, they've, and, and women, and, they, and they've invited me, which highly unlikely, but just say that, pretend that happens. <laughs> or it's the largest church gathering, and, and I, I'm chosen to speak. Again, we're imagining this. Um, and I get up there, and, and here's my message. Friends, we need to love one another. I think, not everyone will respond this way, but I think most people would go, oh, he's a liberal. <laughs> uh, Fowler's going Woodstock on us. I mean, next we're going to talk about unicorns and rainbows and, you know, and teddy bears. and There's something in us that says, yeah, okay, I kind of get that, and yeah, we're supposed to love you. I mean, it's a fruit of the Spirit, so it's kind of important, but we're just going to put it over here, but let's get to the deep stuff. Let's get to this, I mean, let's kind of mind, let's, get, let's, let's be people of depth. And God says, okay, so here, here's how to be deep. Love God, love people. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Make love your highest goal. If you want to get this Christ life, you want to nail this, it's really simple. Love God, love people. And this is a big deal to God, and we need to get our heads around it. Now, here's this verse. I'm gonna put up on the screen here from 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Be on guard, stand firm on the faith, be courageous, and do everything with love. Here's my question. What do you think God means when he says, do everything with love? Uh, everything? Right, so like when you're at the grocery store, 
and you're in line and it's a long line, it's not going very fast and you realize it's not going fast because there's someone in the line who's, who English is not their first language um, and it's kind of, you know, kind of slowing things down. Does that mean I need to be, be loving then? Yeah. That kind of comes under that, that word everything. Does that mean when I'm emailing? Um, is, is that... Yeah, some of us need a little sticky note on our computer that says, do everything with love. Does that mean my Facebook post? Believe it or not, this was written thousands of years ago, but it actually even applies even to the future, so it covers, because it's everything, right? Does this mean when my kids are driving me nuts? Does this, does this mean that like, when I'm frustrated, it's okay to be frustrated, it's a natural human emotion, right? Does, does this mean that I can't respond that way, that I know it's not loving? Yeah, it covers that too. Be on guard, stand firm on the faith, be courageous, and do everything with love. This is a big deal to God. We gotta get a handle on how important love is to him. We need to understand what love is, what it isn't, so that we can be the disciples who God's called us to be. And here's the second reason that, that we need to, to understand and get a, get a handle on love. is because love removes all doubt that the Father sent Jesus and prompts people to trust him. Love, when, when we love one another, it actually removes all doubt that the Father sent Jesus and prompts people to believe in, in Jesus. Uh, John 17, it's one of these spiritual GoPro moments where you get the inside scoop uh, you're, we're listening to Jesus talk to his father. This is prayer. And Jesus says, I do not pray for these alone. He's talking about his disciples here, the, you know, the 12. I don't pray for these alone. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but for all those who will ever believe and trust in me through their message. That's us. That, that, that includes us. Now, that they all may be one. Let me pause right there. They all may be one. Some translations will say that they may be of one heart and one mind, or they may be unified, that they may love one another, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe. So, now, why all this? So that the world may believe without any doubt that you sent me. Uh, one of the things that Trina and I love to do in the summer is, um, you know, we'll barbecue, we'll cook a meal, and we'll go back on, uh, out on the back deck, and um, we'll, we'll have dinner out on the back deck. The sun's going down, it's being outdoors, it's, you know, it's fresh air, we, we just love it. Um, and, and, but oftentimes what happens is we're out there in the back deck and we're enjoying dinner together. Um, there's these, these pesky um, little, little creatures that, that come and disrupt um, our, our meal on, on the back deck. Now, some of you are thinking, we're talking about our kids. No, they're growing up, they're out of the house. It's not our kids. Uh, I'm talking about yellow jackets. It's, you know, it's like they know when dinner time happens at the Fowler house. Uh, and they come out of the woodwork. These are doggedly determined carnivores. Uh, they will come and they will, with you know, no shame, they would just fly and just land right on your plate and take a bite. I mean, if they could, they would fly in and they would pick up whatever you're eating and take it to, to wherever their home is for them. 
And sometimes it becomes so pesky, sometimes there's so many of them that you have to pick up your dinner plate and you have to go back inside the house and shut the doors because it's just you can't eat uh, comfortably outside when these guys are flying around. Now, someone told me that, yeah, there's these yellow jacket traps and you know, I, I bought the yellow jacket traps, they don't work. Until this last year, someone, someone actually bought a yellow ja- jacket trap and I said, I'll try it. It's this bag, um, and it's got like this little dissolvable packet in there. And when you add water, um, you fill it up so high, this packet slowly dissolves, and you, you take this bag and you hang it from one of, your, from one of the eaves in your house, and preferably not close to where you're eating, um, because what this, th- this little bag is like this secret sauce for yellow jackets. It dissolves, and there's something in when it's mixed with water. It, I mean, it's like a ribeye steak or something to them because they come out of the woodwork. They come flying in yellow jackets. They just cannot stay away from this attractant. Sometimes this brings me so much joy that I actually will sit in my truck <laughs> and watch them congregate and swim into the bag of death because that's what it is. I mean, this stuff is so powerful that you know, a yellow jacket could come in and it could see Uncle Bob drowning in the, in the secret sauce there and say, I gotta have some of that. I need, I need to get in there. And now, okay, that's, that's the bag of death, right? That's the attractive. Here's what Jesus is saying. There's something so attractive that people will say, I gotta have some of this. And it's not an invitation to the bag of death. It's an invitation to life and life abundant, and the fullness of life. Because when people see, when they see visibly expressed a group of people to which the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love, when they see a people whose highest goal is love, they want in. So much so that that this will actually point to the fact that there is a God who sent his son and they will put their trust and faith in him. Now, how does that happen? Why does that work? Why is love so attractive? The reason is because it totally upsets the natural order of things. It turns everything on its head. You and I were born into this world and we were born with this natural inclination to to focus on self. We were self-absorbed, self-centered, self-reliant, self-determined. We, we have a natural disposition to, to, to focus on self. Now what happens is when, when people see other folks who are not obsessed with themselves, they love themselves, they're taking care of themselves, but they're other-centered, it, it kind of catches them off guard. There's something unusual about, there's actually something beautiful about this. That this actually is attractive. A guy named Robertson McQuilkin, uh, he was a seminary professor years ago, and he's sort of um, you know, rising up within the seminary, and uh, he was entering into his, his prime years in the seminary, he's having greater influence than ever. Uh, he and his wife, Muriel, had been married for about 20 years. Um, and it was at this moment that uh, McQuilkin and Muriel, his, his, his wife, discovered that, that Muriel was, uh, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, and uh, it was in early stages, and McQuilkin kept teaching, kept working at the, uh, at the seminary, but they came to this crossroads. Now, some of you, 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 you've experienced this. 
You know the difficulty, the pain, the sadness that's attached to this disease. And, and McQuilkin had to, he came to this crossroads and he had to make a decision. Does he continue to live out his calling of what he believed at that point in time his calling was in teaching in a seminary and then hire someone to take care of his wife, Muriel, or does he quit his job and become the full-time provider of care for Muriel? And he decides that he will quit his job and become the full-time provider for his wife. He actually, in a book called A Promise Kept, he says that his first calling um, was misguided and that he discovered his true calling when he started caring for his wife. In his book, he tells a story. I want to just read this paragraph for us. He tells a story of uh, as, the, as the disease has progressed on his wife's body and brain. Um, of, uh, of being in an airport, a flight is delayed, and those of you who've, who've walked this road with loved ones, you know that um, in those unexpected moments, it can be really, really difficult. And um, this is what uh, Robertson McQuilkin writes in his book. He says, once our flight was delayed in Atlanta, and we had to wait a couple of hours. Now, that's a challenge. Every few minutes, the same questions, the same answers about what we're doing here, and when are we going home? And every few minutes, we'd take a fast-paced walk down the terminal in earnest search of what? Muriel had always been a speedwalker. I had to jog to keep up with her. An attractive woman executive type sat across from us working diligently on her computer. Once, when we returned from an excursion, she said something without looking up from her papers. Since no one else was nearby, I assumed she had spoken to me or at least mumbled in protest of our constant activity. Pardon, I asked. Oh, she said, I was just asking myself, will I ever find a man to love me like that? Oh, I've never seen that kind of love before. Will I ever experience that? Because I want to. It's, it's the secret sauce. See, when, when the world sees a group of people who love each other, who are not obsessed with self, when the world sees a people who are so other-centered, it upsets and upends the natural order of things. And it actually will, will lead them to a place where they will believe that there is a God. And they'll believe that there is a God who sent his son, and they will put their trust in him. Because what they see is beautiful. We gotta get a handle on this kind of love, because God is love, and he's called us to be like him. And when people see this kind of love, they will be drawn they will believe. And the third uh, thing I'd say to us is love is how people recognize us as disciples of Christ. Love is the one defining character trait in which people would say, ha see, there's a Christian. How, how can you tell? Because they love one another. It's the, it's the one defining trait. It's how you can tell a Christian. Now Jesus makes us painfully clear a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you there's our model you are also to love one another by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another we got to get a handle on this 
We need to understand what Jesus is talking about. We need to be a people whose primary description is love. We need to be a people who truly believe with all our hearts the only thing that counts, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. It's, it's our dominant life filter or life principle. So how do we begin that journey? How do we get there? How do we, how do we start making love a priority in our, in our lives? Just, I want to give you three uh, just quick, quick things you could do. One is, uh, as we answer this question, the first thing is this. I need to receive and experience love. The first thing you, you need, you need, you need to receive and experience the Father's love. As Jesus said to his, his disciples, as I have loved you, love one another. We cannot love in the ways that we were intended to love until we first experienced and received this love. In fact, John, his, his disciple, says this in uh, 1 John 4, 19. We love each other because he loved us first. See, for some of you in the room, you've never begun that journey of following after God. You've never had that relationship with God restored. So you haven't received his love. And so for you to love, it becomes distorted and you don't, you don't know quite how to do this. And others of us who've been walking with Christ for decades, we too struggle with this because oftentimes we believe the voices that are, that are, that are going off in our heads that are reminding us of failures from the past. See, these reminders that come and say, yeah, yeah, okay, you may be a Christian, but you're sort of a, you know, a low-level level tier Christian. You're a second-class citizen. I mean, because, you know, you got that addiction. Let's be honest. God, God can't bless you fully because you, you've got that. that um, remember that abortion you had? Remember that failed marriage? You remember those thoughts Remember those websites you went to? See, what happens is, is we, we buy into this idea that as long as I perform for God, as long as I do the right things, he'll love me. And the moment I mess up is the moment he pulls back from me. Friends, that is not your God. All the performance required for you to receive his full acceptance was done by his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Now, the lives that we live, we're not trying to earn love. No, the love has been given to me. Remember, years ago, we talked about we don't live in the courtroom anymore. Intimacy, we're not trying to become intimate with a judge. That's difficult anyways. We're talking about life in the living room. Now, we've gone from the courtroom to the living room, and now we get to, we experience intimacy with the Father. But if you think you're still sitting in front of a judge, that's going to be really hard to have a deepening relationship because you're going to wonder if you're accepted. And the enemy of your soul will do everything he can to keep you from believing that you are loved. He's crazy about you. When he looks at you, his countenance is not a countenance of disappointment. It's a countenance of, of admiration. You're his son. You're his daughter. Full acceptance. We walk, we pursue holiness and righteousness because we, we want to honor him and, and worship him. So that, that's, a, that's a good response, but it's not for acceptance. And you will not love in the ways that, that we are called to love if you first have not received his love and experienced his love. 
And when, when, we, when we want to prioritize, we want to make love the, the predominant life filter for ourselves, we, got, we have to believe this. We got to get to a point where we receive his love. Get this. He chose you. Remember the days at recess where you're lined up at the, at the fence and people are picking teams? <laughs> you were thinking, there's all, there's all these people that, are, that, that should be picked and, and picked first, and I'll probably be the last one. And um, He picked you. He chose you. John, in his gospel, literally says, I have chosen you. You have not chosen me. He hand-picked you for his family. In fact, he adopted you into his family. Not because he had to, but because he wanted to. We will not love until this sinks into our hearts, souls, and spirits. We first must receive love and experience. Now, when that happens, now we're starting to get equipped to love, which then, I, the second thing here is make love more important than anything else. This needs to be top priority. Now, just in case you, you think I'm just I'm making this stuff up, it's actually, it's in, it's in the book, uh, Colossians 3, 14, love is more important than anything else. There it is again. Love is more important than anything else. It is what ties everything completely together. See, we can be busy and doing a whole bunch of stuff, but if it's not done in love, it's, as Paul says, it's just noise. Love is what, what ties it all together. So the thing on this is that we need to let this settle into our hearts because oftentimes we've made other things more important than love. So for example, if you feel more guilty this morning about not reading your Bible last week than you do about how you've harshly spoken to your kids, you got a priority problem. If you feel more guilty about not being more prayerful than how you're treating your uh, your employees, you have an issue with priorities and, and, and love needs to get to the top. If you feel more guilty about not being more regular in church attendance than you do about how you're talking behind people's backs and, and undermining their character, tearing them down, then we've got a problem. We, love needs to be important, more important than anything else. It's how we, it's, it's the filter, it's the principle from which we live. This is a very big deal to God. The third thing I would say is this, we need to practice being a great lover. Now there's something in us, the middle schooler in us giggles when we see that. Um, and because we live in a sexually charged culture. Because love has been reduced to a physical um, uh, experience. It's so much deeper than that. So we'll, we'll need to define this. But this, you know, if you want to play the piano, you practice, right? If you want to be great at basketball, you're going to, you're going to practice. Um, if you want to be a great writer or artist, you're going to practice. So if you're going to be a great lover, dear friends, let us practice loving each other. For love comes from God, and those who are loving and kind show that they are the children of God. This doesn't come naturally. But the closer we draw to Jesus, the more that we're walking in the fullness of the Spirit, the easier they will just flow from us. And we'll have to practice because our natural tendency is to think and can be consumed with self. 
Now, we need to accept, accept ourselves, but we need to practice loving one another. Let me just wrap up this quick little story about my youngest son, Cal. Um, years ago, when we were living in Kelso, Washington, uh, Cal was like a first or second grader at the uh, uh, elementary school that was in our neighborhood. Um, and I didn't know this at the time, but you know, when, when the kids were at school and they're turning in assignments on time or they're practicing good citizenship, um, the teachers would randomly decide to give uh, scholar dollars uh, to, to the kids in the class. And what the kids would do is they would accrue these scholar dollars over the, over the course of the semester. And then there'd come a point where they get this catalog and they could spend their scholar dollars on, um, on anything they wanted in this catalog. So this is all going on. I don't really, I don't really know much about that. Uh, and, um, and Cal gets the catalog one day. Now, at that point in time, my predominant life principle was fishing. So fishing was a pretty big deal to me. And... Um, and Cal has got the catalog open to him, and he can choose anything he wants in that catalog for himself. And as he's going through the catalog, I, I wasn't there, I, I don't know all his thought processes at the moment, but he, he picks something and he spends all his scholar dollars on this one item. It is a pen, and it looks like a fish. I come home from work one day, and there's Cal, and he tells me about his scholar dollars, and he tells me about how, you know, the catalog, and, and he... And I, and I got this for you, Dad. And I looked at this, this pen and just stopped me in my tracks. This seven-year-old could have had anything in that catalog. And he chose this, this pen that looked like a fish because he knew I, I love fish. And he, it was cheap. And it, it didn't last very long, but it was worth its weight in gold to me because a seven-year-old told his dad, I love you. I was thinking about you. And I, I chose you over myself. And I'll never forget it. It was over 15 years ago. Now, I want you to imagine something. Imagine, imagine the Christians in our community loving one another, being so other-centered that the natural order of things is turned on its head. Imagine the impact that would have in our city. Uh, imagine if the believers in our state or the believers in our nation were predominantly known for their love. We'd be Christ-like. People would begin believing that the Father sent the Son without any doubt. And they'd put their trust in him. And they would look at us and they say, aha, I know you're a Christian because you're a great lover. Imagine the impact that would have for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. We gotta get a handle on this. This is a big deal to God. Let's pray to that end. So Lord, this morning, we're reminded again of your incredible love for people. The psalmist wrote one day, he said, what is man that you're mindful of him? What, why, why us, God? 
Why would you grant us so much privilege? Why would you put us in charge of creation? Why would you give us so much responsibility? I mean, compared to the universe, compared to who you are, we're, we're nothing. But we're something because you've loved us. May that truth settle into our hearts. May the love of God settle into our hearts, our minds, in such a way that we are freed from the captivity of self-condemnation, from shame, freed to love as you've intended us to love. May it be so for your great name's sake. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.